Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 168. Welcome back, mamas, to the second episode of season two. While we are all the way up to episode 168, we finally decided it was time to start a second season. While Nancy and I were talking about the types of things that we would like to cover in our podcast, we thought it was really important that we continue on this path of uh, amplifying or being a louder voice for marginalized voices, supporting and encouraging moms through all the different walks of life and different stages of motherhood, but also providing awareness for topics that concern us as mothers and as women. So this week, while we don't have a highly um, activist-oriented topic, it is kind of activism for your own and advocacy for your own health. We're talking today about the BRCA gene, BRCA gene, which is one that um, I'm sure most of you have heard about related to breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And we've got a very special activist on the show today who is bringing a lot of information, resources, and things to think about when it comes to taking care of ourselves as women and making sure that we're doing the things that we need to do to prevent breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So we really hope that you enjoy this show. We really learned a lot from our guests, but it's more than just a conversation about taking care of ourselves. It's also about being able to talk to our children about these things, uh, particularly if uh, we have to have some kind of treatment or, God forbid, have cancer. So um, we talk with Shannon Pulaski, who's the founder of Proactive Genes, um, and the author of Mom's Genes, which is a book to talk about these types of things. So it's a really interesting interview, and we know you're going to really get a lot of, of good from it. Please feel free to share it. You can access all of the notes and information at losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 168. It's a super important topic and one that we should all make sure all of our girlfriends are aware of and talking about and taking care of themselves and preparing if you have to go down that road. So we'd love it if you would share this wherever you can. You can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher and pretty much uh, Blog Talk Radio, of course. And then you can also join our Facebook group. It's a closed group where we are talking about these types of topics and supporting each other through our journey over at Your Mom Squad on Facebook. Have a great day and enjoy the show. Hey, Nancy, did I ever tell you about my date box experience? No, you didn't. So update me. How did it go? Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Um, we actually, <laughs> we didn't ever get to do the games, just me and Jeff, which was too bad because they sent us this really cool casino set up. But um, we did, we did get it right around the time that everybody was coming in for the holidays. So we had a fantastic like casino night with my in-laws and my sister. Oh, really? 
with your brother-in-law. It was so much fun. So when we got this box, it had everything in it that we needed to have a full-on casino night. We had the felt layout, the felt thing so that we could play crap. That's so cool. Oh my gosh, it was awesome. All the um, chips, all the poker chips, all the dice, like everything you needed, all the cards, um, an instruction book, and then um, materials for us to make chocolate martinis. Uh, Non-alcoholic, of course, they didn't send the alcohol. <laughs> it was so much fun. I hope it, you added the alcohol. <laughs> well, I haven't made them yet. We are saving that for when we actually play casino night. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. That could get a little awkward with the in-laws. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was really fun. So this box has all the materials that you need for the funnest date ever. That's not something you would do on your own. Plus it has, a, if it's if it's a, something that requires explanation, it has the little bo- um, booklet with instructions. And then it also has like guiding questions. So like if you haven't been on a date with your spouse in a while and don't know what to talk to them about that isn't related to your children. Except the kids. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It gives you some really fun like prompting questions. Anyway, I'm really excited about getting another box um, because one, you can put the kids to bed and still have a really fun date night, right? Yeah. Home, right. And each month, it's a completely different theme that comes with everything you need. They've done escape the room themes. They've done this casino night theme. So I've actually just ordered mine with Valentine's Day coming up. I'm really excited to see what comes. Yeah, I need to do that. I mean, we're on such a tight budget right now that we are not really going out. Oh my gosh, well, this would be perfect to like. Because they gave us a 50% off coupon for your first order. I'm on it. Yes, go to to losethecape.com forward slash date box. Click on our link over there and then make sure that, or go to straight to um, getdatebox.com and use the coupon code losethecape50 and it will give you half off your first box so you can have a really fun date night for 20 bucks that's amazing yeah you can't and do that no and you're gonna have Talk such about a, a cheap time. date no, exactly <laughs> all right lose the forward slash date box uh okay so we're just gonna get right into it this time this year we are focusing on all kinds of things related to advocacy and rights and activism and standing up for other people and making sure that we're aware of what's going on in our world and our community. And a big and important piece of that is health-related topics. Um, As many of you who have been around the podcast for a long time know, my um, journey of advocacy started with our own situation, hospitalization, and having to learn how to be a patient advocate for myself as well as my babies, and everything that has come out of that. So today, our topic is actually breast cancer, Um, but it's really interesting, uh, all the things that we are going to talk about this. So let me introduce our our desk, our guest. (laughs) Our guest (laughs) today is Shannon Pulaski. She is an intellectual property and business attorney, author, and avid patient advocate. After a genetic test revealed that she is BRCA positive, Shanna decided to the decision to be proactive about her health and take affirmative action to reduce her risk of hereditary cancer. She has dedicated her efforts to advocating for patients and volunteers as an ambassador for Bright Pink, a nonprofit advocacy organization focused on the early detection and prevention of breast and ovarian cancers. And she serves on the Young Leadership Council for the Vassar Center of the BRCA at the Abramson Cancer Center of the University of Pennsylvania. 
as a mother, Shannon felt compelled to share her family's health history with her children so that they can understand risk, live proactively, and become educated patients. She launched a new initiative called Proactive Genes and has also written a children's book entitled Mom's Genes to help families get a conversation started about their own family's health history, which is just so tremendously important. She is a New Jersey resident with her husband and their three children, another mother of three. We're like the triad of three here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she dreams of one day soon where better options will be available for those that are predisposed to hereditary disease. So thank you so thank you. much for being here yeah. with us. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me today. This is going to be so fun. Yeah. Well, you, you touch, yeah, talking about breast cancer and fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll make it fun. <laughs> right. I, I mean, you, you touch on so many really, really, really important topics. I mean, um, breast cancer as a woman is something, regardless of whether or not we carry the gene, is something we all have to be, uh, you know, on our toes about, sadly. Um, ovarian cancer as well. I've had family members and close friends pass away from both of them. So this is a topic very near and dear to me, but also um, no, no females in my family in my mother's line have had um, genetic breast cancer. I do have an aunt who got this really weird, non-genetic, very aggressive form of breast cancer. And we are very happy to say um, as of the last three months, she's cancer free, which is America. so glad to hear that. Good. Yes. Yes. It was very scary. She had a very aggressive form, but my mother-in-law is a two-time breast cancer survivor. So this wow. is a conversation that I have to have with my little girls because they have the genes. I don't know how that works. If it's one of those things where you only get it through your mother's line or if it can be from both, but, um, no, you that's know. I am I'm so happy you start right there because that's yeah. that's incredibly important to know yeah. that when we're talking about these kind of genes, they can run on your mother or your father's side. And a lot of people don't understand that. So it's really important that when you're looking at your family health history, that you're taking the totality of it. You're looking at both sides and you're kind of understanding who had cancer, what kind of cancer, because we're not limited just to breast cancer here. You want to understand and know all the types of cancers. In my family, my mother was first diagnosed with ovarian cancer and then breast cancer later. And those two are very related. Um, prostate cancer in men can also be very related to some of these uh, genetically linked cancers as well, as well as colon. So it's important to write down any and all cancer types that are running in your family and then to take note of what age these people were diagnosed. Once you have all that information, which I like to call your family health history, that's what you take to your doctor or even better, a genetic counselor, and start a conversation about what does this all mean? Because it's hard as individuals to understand, you know, if this is genetically linked or not. But once you sit down with the professionals, they can look through it and decide which test is best for you. Yeah. Oh, you're pausing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep going. I, mean, I, keep like, I, I know. Keep um, years. <laughs> um, I mean, when I was pregnant, I had, because I'm Jewish, I had to take the, like, Jewish genetic diseases. Yes. When I was pregnant. Because Wait a minute, that's something they make you do? <laughs> yeah, well, cause they, because there are so many, um, there's, there are a few diseases that are specific to Ashkenazi Jews, which I am. Um, and so they make you take the, well, they don't make you, but, you know, they strongly recommend. It, like, they <laughs> recommend it because um, some of the diseases are pretty fatal, like Tay-Sachs disease um, and things like that, that cause like um, early death. But 
Um, I don't think that that panel tests for BOCA. Which no, is, I think interesting. I'm going to follow up and look into whether or not that panel does, because for Ashkenazi um, Jewish people, there's many, there's much, like you're saying, there's many, many um, more genetic predispositions to be aware of. And BRCA or BRCA is definitely one where it is less common in the general population in Ashkenazi Jewish people, it's one in 40 carry this gene. Wow. And when you're at- I mean, both, both my grandmother passed away from breast cancer. Um, so, you know, when I took this test, this was like 10 years ago. Right. So I um, don't know if that was included back then, but I'd be curious to see if it's included now. I know, right? And I keep saying yeah. to everybody that whatever you did 10 years ago, go back and start talking about it again because the state yeah. of genetic information is moving at such a furious pace. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, uh, like I told you, in a few weeks, I'm going to this seminar yeah. that's like all about the gene and they're giving away like free genetic tests. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to take it just because, you know, it's like, it's at my temple, you know? So again, because it's so prevalent among um, no Ashkenazi Jews, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, I have to I have to publicly shame Nancy here because, <laughs> because I am hoping that my words will spur her to action. But we were talking about mammograms the other day and she was asking me if I'd had mine. I was like, Yeah, I'm forty two. I've had the pleasure of having my boobs squashed twice. <laughs> and she's like, I've never done it. Both my grandparents both my grandmothers died of breast cancer. And I'm like, You've never done it. You need to go right now and be on top of this stuff. I know I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be forty this year and I know that I should have started when I was thirty five because of my family history. But I've always just had this sense like um, you know, that it's inevitable that I'm going to get it. So. <laughs> you, can, you can stop it from being so far down. I know, you, I know it's really stupid. You guys can't no, see it in space, but she's here with like jaw drop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I know, that, sorry, that fear is so real for so many though. And there's avoidance. It's avoidance yeah. of doing it. And there's so many reasons as women why we don't go, right? Because there's fear. We have so much on our plate. And as moms, we're the last ones to put ourselves, you know, first. That's not going to happen. So it's so important to get to the doctor, you know, not only for yourself, but to show your kids, you know, yeah. what it means to be proactive and to, to make it a priority because that's the most important thing that you can do, you know, for yourself and for your family is be there and be healthy. So go. That's a really good transition. I mean, obviously, okay, so let's just, you know, be brutally, brutally clear on it. Like if we're dead, we can't take care of and raise our babies. So... <laughs> <laughs> Please, if you have not been, if there's cancer, especially that runs in your family, do what you need to do to get in there. And don't be and, like me. <laughs> don't be like Nancy. Anyway, let's move on to talking to your children about this because it's so important. You've written a book on this entire topic on how do I address this topic with my children and, and, and how do I not scare them to death? <laughs> yes, I know. Exactly. So in my own story, I, I am BRCA positive or BRCA positive. And for me, what that meant was that, or what it means is that my chance of getting breast cancer is as high as 87% where, Ooh, you know, wow. exactly. So it's, it, it is terrifying, right? But there's so much you can do to be proactive, whether it's intense surveillance plans or prophylactic surgeries. 
um, to make sure that you're ahead of the game or decreasing your risk, you know, by substantial odds. So uh, it's, it's really important to have that information uh, if you have this kind of family health history in your background, because then you're, you can get ahead of it and start to take some control back. Um, so what happened for me is I was looking down the, the road at some of the uh, upcoming surgeries I would have to have. And I have uh, twin daughters, they're seven, and I have a little boy who's four. And when I was first diagnosed with the gene mutation, they were baby, my, my girls were babies. So there wasn't a need to facilitate a conversation yet. But now there is, because there's just questions. You know, why are you having a surgery? What's going on? Are you sick? And the answers to those questions are no, but mom needs to be proactive so she doesn't get sick. So as we moved towards the surgery, it became important for me to answer their questions, but as they presented them. For me and my family, that felt what was most natural, mm -hmm. not forcing any conversation, but really allowing the doors to communication open. Mm -hmm. So we sat down and I thought, oh my gosh, this topic of genetics is so big. How do you do this with seven-year-old, a four-year-old? And I said, you know what? Let me start simple, build a foundation. So we start to talk about things you get from your mom and your dad traits, like freckles or blue eyes, you know, straight hair, curly hair, height. And we start to, to link that, you know, you get this from your mom, you get that from your dad and they could understand that. And we drew pictures, you know, uh, one after another. And I start to look at all the pieces and the story we were telling each other. And I thought, wow, we could put this into a book. And I, I just got chills actually, <laughs> again, thinking about that. but we did, that's what we did. And it was so much fun. We just sat there coming up with ideas. And then I started to piece it together. I thought, you know, other families could really use a tool like this just to start a conversation. Uh -huh. It doesn't have to be scary. I think that's the whole point of what I'm trying to do is, you know, it doesn't need to be this big overwhelming. You got to take small steps, start talking about it and get control of the information. So you can go in and communicate with your healthcare providers because that's going to put you ahead of the game, you know, <laughs> that we're playing here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a really, really fun, odd game I'm playing. Um, so, you know, it's it, like it the Hunger Games. It's so yeah. much fun. <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, but um, that's what we did. So we sat, we drew, and as the pieces came together, I thought this is great. And I hired an illustrator to polish up all the, the pieces that we had in front of us. And we got it up. We got it up on Amazon. It's called Mom's Jeans. And it's, it's really something that I'm really proud of, not only for the work that I did, but that my daughters, my son helps put together too. Absolutely. Well, we'll make sure we include that link in the show notes yeah. as well so that people can check that Thank out. Thank you. I got to look through the book on um, Amazon and it looks really cute. Thank and you. I'm, so, and I also noticed on your website that people can order it in bulk. So is this something that um, that doctors are like giving out in their offices or like who's ordering your book in bulk? Absolutely. I'm going to have it down in um, Miami this March for the Miami Breast Cancer Conference. And wow. that's just getting it out there to the healthcare professionals so that they can have it in their offices. So if you're walking in, you can breeze through this book with your children and kind of get a better understanding of, you know, this might be a conversation that would be good to have. So that's, that's what I'm hoping to achieve there. That's fantastic. Well, we were kind of talking about um, 
you know, obviously having the conversation is important is important in making sure that your children are aware of their genetics, making sure that we are finding out on our by ourselves what is happening and what's going on. And before we started, we were talking about a couple pieces of legislation that we wanted to make sure you wanted to make sure were um, and after we heard them, we wanted to make sure too that people <laughs> are aware of. So can you tell us what's going on right now and what people should be following and and why? So I think as, you know, as mothers and as Americans, it's important to understand, you know, the state of healthcare and what's going on because it's important for not only us as individuals, but for our family. And when we were talking about, you know, genetic testing, one of the big things, one of the big themes that comes up is fear, you know, fear of knowing and uh, questions that I often get concerned about discrimination when it comes to getting this kind of test result or am I going to be able to get insurance? Am I going to be blocked? Um, you know, with the state of healthcare constantly changing, what does that mean in the future? So one key piece of law that's out there is called the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. And sometimes that's called GINA. It has two parts that are really important. It is one, all about protecting discrimination in health insurance. And let me highlight that health insurance. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't offer any protection in other forms of insurance, like life, mm -hmm. disability, or long-term care um, insurance. So there's still limitation, there's still work to be done there, but it does offer protection when it comes to health insurance. And what that means is that they can't use your genetic information to make decisions about your eligibility or your coverage. And that's, that's really important for yeah. someone like myself who's BRCA positive. Yeah. Um, they, that information can't be used to deny me my coverage. <laughs> your genes can't be considered a pre-existing condition. Right, <laughs> under this act, they can't. But that is something, I'm so happy you brought that up because that's the fear that people have. Mm -hmm. And with the state of medicine and genetics moving at this furious pace that it is, there's a kind of a intellectual question going on of, well, when does genetic information become a pre-existing uh, condition? There's this idea that, you know, as we're wearing these health trackers and this data is being compiled on us, when does it start to turn? And what's important to know about GINA or the, the Genetic Information on Discrimination Act is that it doesn't cover you once you start to, start to show symptoms. Okay. So... As long as you have this genetic information before you have some type of cancer, you know, symptom going on, they start to test you and then they go and do the genetic test, you're going to start to fall into that gray area. And that's where, you know, I think we as advocates want to make sure that we're pushing forward on getting that kind of protection for yeah. individuals because yeah. more and more and more and more and more people are going to have information about their genetics as we move into the next five, 10 years, it's going to be a different different ball game, I think at least. Right. So I think not only for the BRCA community or the Lynch syndrome community or any other cancer, cancer syndrome community, this genetic information is important for everybody to kind of be aware of and making sure that we're not labeling it as a pre-existing condition. Right. Well, on that note, um, if, if you do go out and test po and your test comes back positive for these genes, um, I know I haven't been following the healthcare laws on stuff like this, but I know for a long time, a lot of preventative actions were not covered by insurance, which to me is the dumbest thing in the world because it's a lot less expensive to do preventative things than um, 
Oh, I completely agree. Okay. It's so frustrating. <laughs> but do they cover, like, if you decide to have um, the, the um, mastectomy and those types of things, is that covered under insurance? Most, it depends on your specific insurance plan that you have, but I'm finding more and more that they are offering coverage for this type of preventative prophylactic surgeries. So I, I, I've been hard pressed. I haven't heard a story lately of not getting coverage, but don't, you know, test me on that a hundred percent. Um, I know it's individually up to the, the insurance company. Sure. Well, it's good to hear that they are covering it, at least in the cases that you've seen. Cause I know, I mean, I just can't even imagine like it's got to be thousands upon thousands of dollars cheaper than, than treatment of cancer. <laughs> right. And it's not just the, the surgeries, but the prophylactic screening. So getting in there to get your mammogram or your MRI or any yes. other test that they offer yes. um, to watch you at earlier, younger ages than what is standard mm-hmm. becomes something that you have to support with your genetic diagnosis or your family history and right. kind of push back on insurance companies often to, to get that coverage that you need. So it's always a process as it is probably for a lot of us when it comes to health insurance and you just got to stay on it. Yeah, absolutely. There was another, um, there was another one that you mentioned, the Access to Genetic Counselor Service Act. This one's near and dear to my heart because when I was first diagnosed, I was really lucky to get connected with a genetic counselor. Lots of people aren't, and there's kind of a shortage of genetic counselors out there right now. So sometimes getting access to them can be difficult. Um, But the particular piece of legislation that I wanted to mention is one that was actually introduced just this past December, so just a month ago, and it's called the Access to Genetic Counselor Service Act of 2018. And this this bill that was introduced was, it is, it's a push towards recognizing certified genetic counselors by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services as healthcare providers. And this is important because they're not um, genetic counselors are not getting paid by one of the biggest payers or providers um, right now. They're not able to bill as healthcare providers. So once we are able to get past this hurdle and, and label them as such, it's going to open the doors to having greater access for people to have greater access to these, these professionals. And why I think uh, genetic counselors are so important is because they have the expertise to really sit down with you and understand what these tests mean. Right. So many people now are taking these direct to consumer tests, you know, that you're ordering like the 23andMe or the Ancestry and learning a ton. <laughs> and it's important that you really sit down with the healthcare professionals that know what it means. Right. Um, you're not freaking out. Oh my gosh, this came back positive. I have to remove all my internal organs exactly. now. <laughs> or if you took one of these direct and consumer tests, like something I would say, particularly to someone like you, Nancy, um, you know, there, if you took that test, it's only going to test you for three mutations. There's literally thousands of other BRCA mutations specifically out there. And I don't think a lot of people understand that when they're taking those tests, that, that it's somewhat limited. So sitting down with a professional who really understands that can tell you that this is only testing for three. So if you get back a result that says, oh, I'm negative, that's not necessarily the whole picture. So it's I mean, it's I, took the, I took the Ancestry.com DNA test, but I don't <laughs> that, like, 
you know, um, I don't think that like gives any kind of like um, information about like, you know, medical stuff or like right. genetic diseases or anything like that. You know, it just said what I thought I was going to say. Which is you're an Ashkenazi Jew, <laughs> like nothing surprising. So I'm like really curious to see what comes of like an actual um, genetic test, especially now knowing. Actually, one thing that I learned from your website was that I didn't realize that there was um, that the BR. I always thought that the BRCA gene was just for breast cancer, but you said that it also correlates with ovarian cancer. Yes, which I didn't realize. So, um, um, so, you know, that'll be interesting. And it's not just, um, I want to make sure that I'm saying it's not just breast cancer, or ovarian cancer, but prostate cancer in men, melanoma, um, and some other cancers as well are linked to the BRCA. So my brother should be getting tested. Yes, absolutely. I always, I'm pushing constantly for my brothers to get tested as well. So um, now with ovarian cancer though, is it correct that ovarian cancer is one of those things that usually, if it's on your mom's side, that's when you're concerned. And if it's on your dad's side, not so much. Thank you so much for bringing that up and highlighting. No. So my mom inherited her BRCA gene from her dad, and then she developed ovarian cancer. So Fantastic. My dad's only sister died of ovarian cancer. And my OBs have always told me, you don't have to worry about it because it was on your dad's side. See, it's so important that we educate not only each other, but our healthcare professionals too. And that kind of goes back to what I'm saying about why I love genetic counselors, because they understand yeah. that genetic list a little bit deeper than some of even the, the doctors out there. Um, so having that kind of access is huge. Yeah. Oh, great. And, well, that changes my whole philosophy on a lot of things that I need to, uh, oh. One thing that I, um, you know, I'm thinking about with this Access to Genetic Counselors Act is, um, you know, because we we have seen that there is like a real, um, that there's a disproportionate amount of access based on class mm-hmm. and race. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, you know, so when you say that the Access to Genetic Counselors Act will broaden payers, like Medicaid and Medicare and stuff, that tells me that right now there's like a huge segment of the American population that is not getting access to information that they need because of their economic status. Or I think there needs to be just so much more education too about it, that this is out there and available yeah. to really um, understand your genetic you know, information. And not only that, what I love about genetic counselors is they could sit down with you, spend that time and guide you on the fears that we all have, right? Like we kind of were talking about before, a lot of people stop from doing genetic counseling because they are worried about insurance. And when I sat down with my genetic counselor, they spent time saying, you know, this is the state of health insurance, but make sure that you go out and you're getting your life insurance and your disability insurance in place and taking care of that before you kind of go in and get tested. So it's those kind of considerations that you can kind of sit down, spend a little more time deep digging into um, and, and lay it all on the table with that kind of professional. So, but like I said, there's definitely a shortage of genetic counselors. It's definitely a field that's out there and opening up. I'm constantly saying to my girls, do you like genetics? <laughs> I got a field for you. <laughs> you know, and then raise my little STEM kids, you know, into, into the science. But we'll see. 
That is so funny. Um, okay, let's talk about your website. What kind of stuff can people um, find out there? What can they learn from you? All that stuff. So I started a website and it's called Proactive Genes. And it's what I intend to house, all the resources I'll develop. So Mom's Genes is the children's book I wrote. And that's the first tool that I have on my website. And I hope to have more. So the first Mom's Genes is a, a book that's intended for smaller children. Four to eight uh, would be an appropriate audience. Very simple, light conversation. And then I'll add more books so that parents will have more tools to sit down with children as they grow. But beyond that, on the website, I have a blog that I'm starting. And it's really meant to be interactive and a community. So I'm featuring stories from other parents out there who have uh, genetic predispositions to cancer or any other kind of disease. So if it's heart disease, um, you know, other genetic dis uh, diseases like cystic fibrosis, anything that's, you know, health related and that you're sitting down with your kids and you're trying to start a conversation, I'm, I'm looking for stories. So we're, we're sharing uh, what's working, what's not working, and how to really empower your kids to be their own health advocates. Mm -hmm. So uh, is, there, is there an online community, like on uh, Facebook or anything like that, where uh, parents are talking about this that you're involved in? So parents, yeah, there's a bunch of... Um, for, for the BRCA community specifically, there's, there's a bunch of different communities that are out there. I'm starting with proactive genes, but I think it's more of a focus for parents. I don't think that that's really been out there yet. There's um, lots of group for younger women that maybe don't have kids yet to kind of facilitate conversations. One of them was Bright Pink, which I, I love near and dear to my heart. It was where I started my journey as an advocate but I'm hoping with proactive genes to offer a forum for people who are uh, at a different, you know, age where you got the little kids running around and you're trying to consider what it means for them. Uh, this is fantastic stuff, um, Shannon. So one other thing that I want to talk about quickly here is that, you know, through our through our mission and our book and our podcast and things like that, we're also trying to inspire people to want to participate more and do um, things. So not only are, do we want everybody to walk away from this, knowing that they need to check their genetics, get their mammograms, you know, follow through on those kinds of things. But the other thing is if there are people out there who feel that this is something that they are passionate about and want to be an advocate for others, um, how do they get involved in something like that? How did you get involved in Bright Pink? What are the, what do you do as an advocate? What, what does that look like for a volunteer? Absolutely. I have so many great organizations to recommend for that, but I'll, I'll, I'll limit myself here. <laughs> Bright Pink was where I started and they had, they have so many tremendous resources that um, are education-based. So just sharing information with other women out there about breast and ovarian health and how to be proactive. So not just women who are at high risk, but all women, you know, where we all have a risk uh, just by having breast and ovary, uh, ovaries. So it's something that we all kind of need to consider. Another one that I recently got involved with is called FORCE, or Facing Our Risk of Cancer Empowered. So what I love about them is they're, they're tremendous. They have so many different resources, but particularly on advocacy. And with these laws that I have touched upon today, they have a new program called PALS, 
which really allows you to get educated on the issues. They have so many wonderful webinars. And then as opportunities arise to go down there and have your voice be heard, whether that be in person or by writing letters uh, to our representatives, they are offering that kind of way to connect and really, you know, make a difference uh, that I think that we all can do in a manageable way. So that, that one is, is something that I'm newly working on and really enjoying because you just are learning so much. It's constantly changing and it's really important to know so that we can share this information with our families. I mean, there's, there's truly not one more issue. I mean, not another issue that I can think of other than like, um, uh, well, okay. There's like pregnancy for moms, obviously, and, and children's health stuff and mental health stuff. But like, you don't have to be a mom to get breast cancer or ovarian cancer. Obviously this is a women's issue across the board. So, I mean, I can't think of another issue is what I'm trying to say that all of us have a risk for some of us a much higher risk right. for, but all of us have a risk for. So this is a, such an important topic. And um, I really hope that people will consider this and think about it and don't be a Nancy. That's going to be our new computer and smack me. But I'll be in a week if I made an appointment. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to email you next week and I'm just going to ask, did you do it? <laughs> I mean, I know it's scary. I mean, I worry every time because of the fact that my aunt did die when I was, she passed away when I was two of um, aggressive ovarian cancer. And like every time I have a cramp that doesn't seem like it's in the right time of the month, I'm like, what's up? What's yeah, that I think that's, that's important to know what your normal is. And yeah. so if something feels off and it feels off for maybe more than a couple weeks, mm -hmm. that's when you need to go in and say something. So just understanding that it's good, yeah. to, good to know. Well, this is another thing that I think the patient advocacy really comes to and knowing how to advocate yourself. Because I mean, my, I, like I said, my OB basically rolls her eyes at me when I say, you know, can, can we just, how do we know what's going on down there? And she's like, well, it's not on, it's not on your mom's side of the family is what I always hear. And I'm like, okay. I mean, there's no way I'm not sending you 25 articles about how that's not true. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Cause I'm going to print those out and take them to her. Um, and you know, I, I just have to say before we close up this subject with the one thing that I realized, um, and, and, well, two things. One, I need to just suck it up and go find a different doctor. I've been telling myself I'm going to go find a different doctor since they screwed up my pregnancy and I lost a child. So, um, well, that's not entirely their fault, but I feel like they missed some things along the way that were very important that could have made a difference in my twins. So, um, you know, that thing. And, and I haven't because it's, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things where you're like, I'm comfortable. I only have to go see her one time a year. She's kind of annoying to me, but I don't want to find a new doctor. And that's a big thing. But then the smart part of me is thinking to yourself, you need someone who listens to you. So go find a new doctor. You know, once you do, you're going to sit there and be like, oh, why didn't I do this years ago? Exactly. You know? Exactly. So I need to be beat up a little bit right now too, saying, go get yeah. a doctor who listens to you. Yeah. And because I think because like we, you know, I for one like always like buy into this idea that like I really want to build a relationship with the doctor. So if I keep moving around mm -hmm. until I find the right one, I might never find the right one. And I think it creates like this kind of inertia because you're like I've been with this doctor for so long and they know all my medical history and you yeah. know, but we have to really advocate for ourselves. 
My okay. test is always, I walk in, I'm a lawyer by trade, right? So I bring in my old school yellow pad. <laughs> I will like 400 questions and I like look at them and just like look at their face. Like, are you going to handle this? <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't shut me out the door, like we're, we're, we're going a good, you know, on a good track, but it's important. You have to have a doctor that you can trust. Yeah. Second guessing them. And, and wondering if they're giving you the right information, that's not in the place you want to be. So no. getting that healthcare professional that really hears you and is going to sit down with your yellow pad with 400 questions is important. Yeah, this is the, this is the conversation I needed to have because, you know, we're getting around the time for me to go back to my annual exam. And I was thinking, should I find a new doctor? Should I just go back to the same doctor? And I think I'm going to go find a different doctor. Just do it. Just do yeah. it. Put it on your to-do okay. list. Cross it okay. off. What are there any um are there is there a way to tell whether a doctor is a good fit for you or that they know what they're talking about? Are there any questions that we can ask or red flags that we can look for? You know, like for example, how would Alexa have ever known that this doctor was like misinformed or not giving her the information if she you know, because some of the only answers on us, but I, exactly, that's my answer to you is that I think we have to do everything we can to be empowered and educated patients, you know, like really understanding what our normal is. So understanding our body and if something feels off to really express it, I think yeah. that, you know, Alexa has been kind of saying that this ovarian cancer thing's in the back of her head and she's brought it up and feels maybe something's off about the information, like maybe d diving deeper and understanding well, what does that mean? Is there a link? And yeah. taking that time is important, you know, not only for, for you, but for your entire family. Well, and in this particular OB's um, uh, defense, like I have three sisters and we all see three different doctors in different states and different locations. And this is the message that all four of us have gotten from our OBs throughout the year, that it's not something that we have years that we don't have to worry about it because so, you know, I think that's the, the other thing I was going to say about it is that I, one of my concerns with a lot of doctors is that they're not updating their knowledge base, that they're not taking, they're not taking the time to find out what's new and different because 10 years ago that when they, you know, or 40 years ago when they went through medical school, that may have been the knowledge was that if it, that ovarian cancer passed through the mother's genes only or something like that. And so, um, you know, to have four women in four different places who all have the same medical history and have all been told the same thing, it's worrisome. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, I think you could definitely, you know, ask your doctor, what's the, when's the last time you went to a professional conference? <laughs> you know? That was the first question on the notepad. When was the last time you did professional development? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, my mother, my mother is an audiologist. And she goes to a conference every year because she knows that there's new research mm -hmm. coming out, that there's no, there new information out there. So if I go to see a doctor and they tell me, oh, I haven't been to a conference in like a decade, I'm going to be like, uh, so where, you know, how are you, that would lead, you know, I would have some other questions. Like, yeah, like, uh, is your you license know, up to date? Because I think they're required to, to do some <laughs> continuing legal or not legal, if that's me, continuing legal. <laughs> they have to do continuing medical education uh, yeah. every year. So, but this is definitely an area that I think not only us as patients, as mothers, but the, the healthcare providers too should be keeping up to date on and really understanding because it's going to change the entire state, yeah. of medicine, I think. 
So Shannon, in the midst of all your other things that you're putting together, I charge you to put together, uh, maybe if not a full book, a downloadable workbook that's how to interview your doctor to make sure they're fit <laughs> for your your. I love uh, that idea, though. <laughs> oh my gosh, I might do that. <laughs> I, that could be an incredible lead magnet for you. I would sign up for that. <laughs> How to interview? And I, you know, and thinking about your book, I'm very curious to see how maybe the questions change or the answers change as your children grow older. Yeah, especially like when you have girls. I have two girls also, you know, um, and a boy. So, um, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, because I have the same philosophy as you. Like, I just wait for them to answer, to ask the questions, and I don't give them more information than they have asked for because, you know, I want to go with their pace. But then there does come a point where when your kids get older, I can imagine, like, when my girls are teenagers or in their 20s or something like that, like, it has to be a real, like, adult-type conversation yeah I think you know that's one of the things I really want to touch on in future books because I think that girls you know preteens teens are gonna have more and more questions uh especially around things like breast cancer if you think about like birth control mm-hmm. I'd be concerned if I were looking back at my you know my younger self uh knowing my family history you know was that going to increase my risk of breast cancer is that going to lower my risk like these are questions that I'll have running in my mind as I understand that I'm a higher risk. Right. That's one of the reasons why I have like a non-hormonal IUD is because I was very concerned that the hormones and both control would have some kind of like impact on my chances of getting cancer. So I opted for the non-hormonal, but um, to be honest, that's an assumption that I need. I didn't actually like do any real research on it. That's right. Just- I, you know, that's a really good thing that if you have a healthcare professional that you trust, you could sit down and, and work through all of those points and find the right birth control for you that's at the lowest, you know, um, hormone dose. And a lot of them that are the low dose now don't actually increase your risk um, or minimally do. And it's all about balancing the pros and cons when it comes to it. But it's a conversation that you have to have with your healthcare professional, you know, in your own particular situation to really weigh the pros and cons. Yeah. Well, this has been a really educational and interesting conversation. I'm sure we can talk a lot longer on it, but um, where do, where do people reach out if they have questions for you? How do people get in touch with you and all of that? So I think the easiest way you can reach out to me is um, through the website. My email address is on there, and that's that's info at proactivegenes.com, and you'll get right to me because it's it's me right now. <laughs> so um, any questions, I'm really happy to have a conversation. And if you're if you're moving towards genetic testing and you're just looking for somebody to bounce those kind of questions and comments of fear, I'm always available to to talk about it. It's one of my um, biggest I- passions is helping women go through it. So. Are you available for speaking engagements? Like if people wanted to bring you in? Absolutely. I'm always available for that. I would love that. Um, I will be speaking down at the Miami Breast Cancer Conference in March. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really great experience to just get this information out there more and more. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so very much for your time and knowledge. And now I'm terrified and need to go do some research. (laughs) I know. 
You know, let me say my bottom line is that I really, I truly, truly, I do from the bottom of my heart from somebody who, who got the diagnosis that they have an 87% chance of yeah. getting breast cancer in their life. I really do believe that once you get over the, the fear, cause the fear is real. Like let's, uh-huh. let's not deny that it exists, but once you get over it and you have that knowledge in your hands, it's so powerful. And I feel so truly fortunate to be able to live in an age where I can have access to that information and then do something about it. Like it's such a game changer. So while there is absolutely fear, getting that knowledge and taking control of it and being an empowered patient, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Sure. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you guys. This is really great. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.